0: I was thinking about this whole Easter season and talking with people about it, and trying to figure out, you know, what, what should we talk about? What should we do? What should we, as we as we reflect on this time of year that that helps reorient our life, where should we focus? And and I got to tell you, I kept coming back through both conversations and through my own thoughts to Shannon Summerall's testimony a few weeks ago. And if you weren't here, it's no big deal. You can go back and either listen to it on the uh, uh, podcast or the or the website, or or I'll summarize enough of it here for you as well. That, you know, Shannon, Shannon lived her life for many years, even going to church, even going to seminary and trying to deal with some issues in her life that she wanted freedom from. And, and really what she really wanted was this, this enduring sense of a, of a relationship with God. And she went through this time where she'd go to church and she'd feel like she got this kind of religious fix and then she'd go away and, and it'd kind of wane and go away and she didn't feel as good and it was really difficult. And she made one profound statement that has just stuck with me that we're going to do some reflection on today and, and, and the ne- in the next coming weeks. And, and she said, it, it really wasn't until even after seminary where I really came to understand what the cross was. It wasn't until I came to the cross that I really experienced and understood life and life from Jesus' perspective. And, and it's just one of those things that, that, that makes you start to ask the question, what is it about the cross that's so important that brings freedom to us. The cross, it's, it's such an odd thing to talk about the cross and in the same breath talk about life and fullness of life. It just, it just doesn't seem to add up in some ways and yet there's something about it. And then I thought about this. You know, If, if a coworker, and, I, and I'll ask the question that I ask myself to you, if a coworker or someone on the street stopped you, and asked you, what does the cross mean in your life? What would you say? Not, not the religious theological answer, not the answer that says, oh, it, it means Jesus came to die for my sins. He, he, he shed his blood to forgive me. He, he, he took the bruises on his body and the stripes on his body to bring me. Not that. Those are all the nice, correct, easy answers. But what does the cross mean in your life? Where do you find the cross in your life and find his life? And it really started to come down to me, the more I thought about it, to, to just one simple question. And we just titled the message today, which C? Which C is the center of my life? And there's really two. One you can obviously guess is the cross. But the other one is is control. And it seems like we have one simple choice in life when it comes to our faith, when it comes to following Jesus. Are we going to follow the way of the cross? Or are we going to maintain our self-control? And, it, and it's, not the, it's not the... Control is kind of one of those words, you know, nobody likes to be called a controlling person, do you? But, but we tend to want to live life through this sense of control. And, and really what control is, it's a lack of trust it's a lack of trust in god that he's got it for us it's it's a lack of trust in somebody else that they've got it for us and we have to work extra hard and and it's not even the kind of sense of control of that i have to in my work or my daily life make plans and execute on the plans that's that's not necessarily control that's that's responsibility and it's and it's not necessarily the kind of control that says, Oh, I need to keep control of my emotions and have this veneer that that always seems cool and calm and collected it's, it's not that either it's it's this control that 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 sets off this stress meter in us when 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 we're faced with the what we think is the possibility of failure and it causes us to have this stress response that makes us do things that go above and beyond in ways that that create an almost unhealthiness in our in our in our life it, to try to make sure we don't fail, or or it's this kind of it's this kind of control that 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 makes us just have to always protect and care and never let anything bad happen to somebody around us. As a way to kind of introduce this a, a little bit more, why don't you watch this this clip that that talks about this? Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. I have an exercise that I think will really help. You. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm-hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Right, well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? <laughs> yes, Jesus. I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust Good. you. <laughs> yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall okay. back. Woo! Oh, okay. <laughs> that's great. Uh, Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted, all right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay, I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. (laughs) Good. Little two, here I yes. time baby. Woo! <laughs> whoa, whoa. Okay, hold it. Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. Ah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh huh. But face me. Oh, forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh right, the Jesus signal. Yes, the <laughs> Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Oh, Jesus, I don't know if you notice this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust <laughs> me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. A powerful illustration of the choice between two C's. How big do we think God is? Do we really trust that he's there to catch us? Especially when we can't see him. Now we've all had probably in our faith journey, simple, simple times when we go, yeah, God, you were really there. And we really understand that. And now it's easier to trust him because he caught us and, and, and stuff. But, but, but we all face these times when we look over our shoulder and we haven't seen this before. We haven't been here before. Where is God? Can we trust Him? You know, this whole thing of, of needing to control is such a big part of our society. I mean, it's, we all live life through the sense of control at times. Don't we? We all, we all try to make sure things are safe. And, you know, we, we as parents sometimes, uh, we go to every possible length to make sure our kids can never be hurt. One of the examples, I think, that that illustrates this is the fact that when I was a kid, I loved teeter-totters. How many times do you see teeter-totters on playgrounds anymore in people's backyards, right? Because kids got hurt and all of a sudden we can't do it. But you know what? Teeter-totters were such an awesome thing because you'd get to get physics lessons on the idea of a lever and you'd get to learn balance and and you'd actually learn social skills about who to trust and who not to trust, right? (laughs) And you'd learn what good friendship is and you'd have conversations about what good friendship is. And good friendship is not when you let me drop and hit myself. And, you know, and and, and we tend to go through life now in our culture and our society, eliminating as, as much possibility of hurt as possible. And we create this controlling environment in our lives. And sometimes it's not, it's not just a funny thing like that, but sometimes it's, sometimes it's actually in our relationships with our, other people. And I'm going to tell a story. And my mom, hi, mom, I love you, mom. She's going to listen to this podcast in probably a week or two. So she'll hear this story. But my mom is just a wonderful lady, just an awesome lady. But she has her quirks like the rest of us do. And one of her quirks in control was this. When we had little, little kids... I don't know where she got this from. I, I, I don't think this is scientific, so don't take this to the bank. And I would challenge her that this wasn't scientific. But she, for whatever reason, somewhere read that, that if you heat up food in a microwave, that it kills all the enzymes, and therefore if we feed our kids, our babies, food that was heated up in a microwave. We're actually depriving them of healthy nutrition because we just killed all the enzymes. And my mom was so concerned that our kids would be raised healthy and with good food that she would sit in the kitchen when she'd visit and she would tense up and she would shake whenever we stuck the food in the microwave. And it was so bad, she got so controlling. At one point, the only way to deflect it, which we laugh about now, was I would put the food in the microwave, I would turn it on and I would look at her and go, oh! Enzymes are getting killed. My kids are going to be unhealthy. And we would laugh. But we all have our quirks. We all have the areas we, 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 we seek control. And the Eastern season, the focal point is the cross. And, and Jesus uses the cross in his speaking and in his acting not as this morbid thing that calls us to this life of sacrificial suffering that's going to always be awful and horrible, but he actually uses it as an invitation to life, which is just a strange thing to think about. And our primary choice really in life comes down to this, control of the cross. And without understanding the cross more, without looking at it more, our faith so easily becomes dry. It's a perfect time of the year to, 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 to reflect on this. We're in the season of Lent. It started a couple of weeks ago. Lent actually originated Originally, it was in the Old English just a term for spring arriving. But in the church calendar, it became the 40 days before Easter, starting with Ash Wednesday. And it was always a time and has always been a time when we take extra time to reflect on our need for a Savior, the fact that we can't control life, the fact that we absolutely desperately need Jesus in every area of, every area of our life. And all the traditions that go along with the Lenten season are intended to help us reflect on that. And traditionally the cross is a significant part of that. And Jesus says this about the cross in Luke 9, 23. He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The cross, it's it's this image, it's this it's this experience that is the epitome of the loss of control. It's it's this experience that If we take up our cross, it's an irrevocable decision because we are now under the control of someone else being whipped and beaten and driven towards a goal which we have no authority, no control over anymore. It can only lead one place. It's an all-consuming thing. It's it's. It's not faith like like uh, like people who go to a stadium with fifty thousand people and, and get feelings of, of pride and tears in their eyes when fifty thousand people sing the national anthem and the, the color guard is there and the jets fly over. No, it's it's the kind of faith that that's the kind of faith that throws itself in harm's way to save innocent people or, or throws itself in harm's way to save the fellow soldiers. And it's and it's not the kind of faith and religion that says I'm good enough and I I go to church and I and I have have these moral values and, and I get good moral values for my thing and then I go live my life and, and the church can talk about moral values and talk about certain areas of life. But over here, just don't touch this. Leave that alone. It's, it's this thing that's all-consuming of every area of our life. It's this invitation from Jesus that leaves no middle ground. It's one or the other. Oswald Chambers, the great devotional writer who wrote My Utmost for His Highest and other books, this is a quote from one of his other books, says this. He says, the man with a cross no longer controls his destiny. He lost control when he picked up his cross. And that cross immediately became to him an all-absorbing interest an overwhelming interference in every aspect of his life. No matter what he may desire to do, there's only but one thing he can do, and that is to move towards the place of crucifixion. And this invitation is just that. It's an invitation. Jesus starts it off by saying, whoever wants, or if any man will, it's, and in so doing, he says, I'm not going to force anybody to make this choice. You have free choice. You can make this choice or not, but the choice is clear. It's either we'll live life in our own self-control, or we'll live our life through God's control, giving ourselves up, trusting Him completely with everything, absolutely. And that's what the Easter season invites us to. And it's important because in the hustle and bustle of life, we fall prey to the trap of, of thinking we are in control. We, we schedule our lives, we, we do everything, but, but the reality is that, that law around us causes us to, not be in control at times or or the duties we have, we realize that our duties as parents require that we 're not necessarily in control all the time. Our duties as a husband or a wife or or as a neighbor as a friend require that we do things that we 're not necessarily in control of or be subjected to things that we 're not necessarily in control of hunger accident, natural disasters, illness, even death will all at some point impinge on the fact and bring to our attention that we really are not in control. I remember being with uh, Jay and Mary the first night Maya went into the hospital and was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I was sitting there talking with, with Jay and and Jay looked at me and said, you know, 24 hours ago, we knew where life was going. We had all this stuff planned. Everything was good. We were, we were, we were all, you know, he, he, didn't, he went and listed a whole bunch of stuff. And he says, now... Less than 24 hours later, our life is not our own. We have to follow a path and follow Jesus down a path that we do not want to go, but we have no choice. This time of year is an invitation for all of us, even though we may not have the same situation as Jay and Mary with, with Maya, to face our lack of control and go deeper in our willingness to carry the cross, to take it up daily. And the interesting thing is that we celebrate holidays yearly. We celebrate Thanksgiving yearly and Christmas yearly, but, and, and that reminds us of the ideals we want to live. And yet, and yet Jesus says this and this when he talks about this. He says, take up your cross daily. We think it's enough to celebrate 4th of July yearly, but, but Jesus says this is important enough. This is an important enough ideal to life and true liberty and faith in your life, that it has to be a daily practice to ask this question. It, it's almost like God during the season invites us, not just during the season, but on a daily basis, to, to live life with this sense of internal pause where we go through our daily life continually asking ourselves a question, God, am I doing this in my control or am I doing this at your direction? Is this my timing or, or, or is this your timing? Am I taking this stress on or am, I, or am I leaving it at your feet and trusting you in this time? And to live life with that, with that sense of pause. And Jesus further, further highlights the, the importance of this and gives us a sense of vision of looking beyond the cross. And this profound, just amazingly counterintuitive statement in, in Matthew 10, 39, he says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever takes up his cross daily and gives up control and trusts me completely will find their life. But whoever tries to react to life circumstances around you and and cause yourself to be protected and take control to yourself will actually lose it. And that's so counterintuitive from the way we think. It's, it's, it's really hard to grasp. It's easy to understand the words, but it's hard to, it's hard to grasp how to actually live that out. Really? When we seek control, we lose it? Really, Jesus? Really, God? When we try to do things the best we know how in our control instead of just submitting it to you, we actually don't find life. When we take up our cross, this, this, this burden that is so horrible and so ugly and so, so difficult that we actually find life, not lose it. And yet, in Hebrews, the writer talks to us in, about how Jesus himself viewed the cross and In Hebrews 12, 1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And this is what I want you to really hear. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And hear this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart I had this conversation with someone a few weeks ago in a fallen broken world it's so easy to lose sight of god's goodness it's so easy to not be able to see past the muck and the the difficulty and the pain of the stuff around us to see god's goodness we experience life not only through this great moral dislocation because of sin and because of other people's sin affecting us but we we see this dislocation of all creation from what is perfect and healthy and true and we see disease because of that and And the forces around us, the, the things that happen, the things that impinge upon our life and really demonstrate to us that we truly do not have any control cloud God's goodness. And they challenge us and to respond in a way that makes us want to withdraw, makes us want to go to the place of safety, want to, makes us want to go to the place of comfort, and and so we take our relationship to a certain point. But but we but like the trust fall video earlier, we, we we finally get around to practicing and falling once, and we get all excited about that. But then we we don't want to go to the next level because we haven't seen that, and and that's really the invitation that that God is making to us. And, says Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Can we see the joy of living life this way? Not, I don't know about you, but when I think about when I think about this and about carrying my cross and picking it up and, and reflect on these throughout most of my life, and even sometimes now, I still have to watch myself because it comes back. I, I end up hearing this and I start going into this guilt-producing self-critique of myself, saying, I, "I'm not good enough here. I don't. I don't. I don't have enough faith here. I, I, I'm, I'm failing here. I'm a miserable failure, and God must be really frustrated with me because I'm not all in. I'm not. I'm not trusting Him with everything." And, And and the thing I like about the stories in the Bible of Passion Week, about the the glimpses we get to see of Jesus' interaction with with his disciples, which I'll actually put some of those texts in the Living Quest after the message this week if you want to have your own quiet time looking at some of this stuff. The clips that we see, the pictures we see of Jesus interacting with his disciples see him inviting them to this. And in the very same breath, saying, but I know you're going to fail in the next 24 hours. That's okay. He's still smiling at them. He's still, he's still patient with them. He's not asking them to be, to get up in this morbid self-examination and take on all this guilt. In fact, and in fact, I I sometimes picture him, you know, where he's talking to Peter and, and he's talking about the invitation to lay down your life for your friend. And he's talking to, talking to him about the, the communion which we're going to celebrate in just a second here. But, but, and then Peter goes, yeah, Lord, I'm willing to go to the death with you. And then he goes, no, you're going to deny me three times in the next 12 hours. And I almost see him smiling patiently and kindly as, as he looks at this and goes, Peter, this is going to be rough 12 hours for you, but you're going to be okay. It's not that I'm angry that you're going to deny me. I, it's just something you're going to go through and I'm going to be with you and you're going to be okay. So often... We start to self-examine. Instead, I think it's probably more appropriate that we pray like Jesus did in in the Garden of Gethsemane. We start praying questions to God and we just start saying, God, where in my life do you want to lead me today? How do you want to help me trust you more deeply today? Where do I need to pick up my cross and carry it and give up my own control today? And then just wait can we trust him that he's faithful to speak to us can we trust him that he's faithful to lead us or do we have to get ourselves involved one of the amazing things if we're going to take communion in a moment if the if the worship band wants to come back and if you didn't get elements on the way in and you want want them just raise your hand and somebody'll bring them by One of the amazing things about Jesus in this whole mix of things in the midst of inviting us to take up our cross daily and follow him is is he sits down with the disciples for this special holiday meal. That's what he was doing. The first communion was centered around a holiday meal. Just like we've talked about today. Holidays bring back the ideals to us and we love celebrating. Jesus sits down with his disciples in a holiday meal and, 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 and he doesn't... Do anything but take the stuff in front of them. The stuff they'd be eating every day. It wasn't like this bread and and the wine was something that was just special. There was some stuff that was kind of the way it was made was special for this holiday meal. But but every meal they had bread and they had wine. And Jesus takes out the bread. He breaks it and he looks at the disciples and says, okay. Okay. I've told you you need to lay down your life and take up your cross daily and follow me. And if, if you lose your life, you'll find it. And if you, and, and here's my body. This, is, this bread, every time you eat. See, we think of communion as something we do once a month or once a week, depending on your tradition or wherever you do it. Jesus is actually just using the bread from the table that they were going to eat from three times a day. Because he's illustrating to them, again, this very same thing. This is such an important thing. You need to be thinking about it daily. Every time you go to the table, I want you to pick up bread and I want you to think about me. Think about the fact that I came here to be like you. Think about the fact that when you see me in my physical body and you think I'm condemning you, I'm actually smiling at you. I'm actually putting my arm around you and saying, hey, Peter, it's okay. I know you say you want to follow me to the death, and I know you're not quite there. I know you're going to deny me in the next 12 hours, but I'm still with you. You're going to be okay. I prayed for you, Peter. You're still my friend. I want you to think of how I've responded to you. Hear and see that every time you eat the bread. And and in a few hours, you're going to... He's probably thinking this. In a few hours, you're going to see me go to the cross and and you're going to realize even more about the scripture that said, "I, I took stripes on my back and I took bruises for you to bring healing to your life. So he said, I want you to think about this daily. Three times a day, as often as you eat bread. Who I am. And I want you to just to see it as an invitation to follow me. So just take the bread and say, thank you, God, for the invitation to follow you, to take up my cross, to live like you live. And then he's very practical. Everybody's eating some dry bread. I need to drink something. He knows that's going to happen. So he picks up the cup. He says, you know what? You guys all know that through your religious history that, that blood needed to be spilled for forgiveness. I'm going to spill my blood for you. And when I ask you to carry your cross, when I ask you to think about this on a daily basis, you're going to, you're going to be tempted to go to this guilt place like I'm not good enough. But the reality is I'm going to spill my blood for you and there's nothing you could do Nothing more you could do to be more loved, to be more accepted by me because I'm going to spill my blood and I'm going to forgive you and it is permanent and it is good and it covers everything. So I don't want you going to the guilt place. I want you to come to me every time you eat. and I want you to remember what I did for you, that you really can trust me that I really am smiling at you when I ask you to fall and you look around over your shoulder and you go, I've never seen this before, God. Can I really do this? Are you really gonna be there for me? Can I trust you or do I need to be in control? And he's saying, you can trust me. Go ahead and take. I want you to just sit for a moment. And there's going to be a video that runs, and the band's going to instrumentally play behind it, and then invite us to invite us to sing with them in a minute. But just ponder some of the statements, and and, and as we go through this whole Easter Easter season, my invitation is for you to ponder daily this whole idea of the cross and what it means to us. Acknowledge that you demand our life and our all. And Father, you're giving that invitation to us today, tomorrow, a few moments from now. Lord, thank you for that invitation. I pray, Father, that you'd help us see past the cross, see through the cross, to trust your statement that when we lose our lives, that's when we really gain it. When we allow you access to every area of our life, that's when we find life. Lord, I pray for those here who have never understood the cross, never come to the cross, never surrendered at that level, never accepted that invitation. I pray, Father, that you would help them to do so and that they would know the joy that that Shannon testified to in front of us a few weeks ago that so many here have experienced. In Jesus' name, amen.